sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in, cover it. Yeah. Welcome in, cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM, Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to break down the world of NFL and NFL betting with my friend from here in Las Vegas, Tony Finn. Finn at Wager Talk on Twitter. Should be a loaded show. I'm going to ask Tony a bunch of questions who he's making money with, who he's struggling with. Trade deadline, what mattered about trade deadline. Talk about the undertrend that continues to roll. Uh, we're going to talk about injuries that matter and injuries that don't. And, of course, Tony's going to leave us with an opinion or two, as will I. But before we get into a full NFL breakdown, I want to talk about closing line value here, CLV, which is a topic that gets a lot of discussion in betting forums and threads when it comes to how the pros approach betting football as opposed to casual bettors. And certainly when you're talking about the best bettors in the world closing line value is a big piece of the equation. Okay, They're going to take a team at plus three and if the line goes down to two and a half, boom, they've already got the best of the number. They already have a mathematically positive expectation wager. But if the plus three doesn't win, it doesn't do you any good. We saw that, for example, on uh, Thursday Night Football this past week uh, with the Falcons and the Panthers where there was uh, plus threes out there with Carolina. If you didn't get one of the plus threes and you still like the Falcons, you took plus two and a half. The wise guys, the closing linebacker guys are like, no, 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 no. You had a winning bet. All right. <laughs> Uh, Earn of the week, Toledo. They were minus 11.5. They closed minus 14. They won by 7. They never sniffed a cover in that ballgame. Maction, what happened? They got their quarterback back. What happened? The betting markets went nuts on Toledo. If you laid 11.5 with Toledo, was it any better than laying 14 with Toledo? No. They won by 7. <laughs> okay? It didn't matter if you had the closing line. Babe. And that's not unusual. Okay? When you look at the bigger line moves against the closing number in the NFL, the bigger line moves aren't any better than 50-50. Okay, getting a point or two the best of it isn't going to help. In my opinion, you know what's more important than closing line value? Winners. That's what. And closing line value was absolutely crucial around the threes and the sevens. Okay, let me put uh, a caveat in my anti-CLV uh, rant at the top of the show. And I know there are so many wise guys. I see it all the time. They're like, well, I'm three games below 500 betting this year, but my average closing line value is a point and a half better than the closing number. That's great, but you're three games below 500 betting this year. <laughs> you know, threes and sevens are crucial closing line value. You don't want to be laying seven and a half where the game is going to close seven or six and a half. You don't want to be laying three and a half with a game that you can find a three or a two and a half. You don't want to be taking two and a half in a game that you can get plus three, etc., etc. All right, we talk plenty about the key numbers of three and seven when it comes to NFL betting. More games decided by three points than any other margin of victory. And the second most common margin of victory is a team winning by seven points. So the two and a half, three, three and a half, six and a half, seven, seven and a half from a closing line value 
standpoint. Those are huge. But when you talk about, and I preach it on the show, get the best of the number. Win these games by a half point. Don't lose these games by a half point. Certainly in basketball where you don't have the same uh, key numbers. Each and every half point matters. And you want to be getting the best of the number every single time you make a bet. I get it. But the broader picture is not to have a portfolio on any given weekend that is loaded with losing bets that have good closing line value. That's not the goal. The goal is winning bets and closing line value. All right. Now, what you see oftentimes in the NFL, and again, we're going to focus on NFL for this show, but oftentimes in the NFL, the bigger line moves, the big wise guy plays, they don't always cash. All right. Again, if you look long term at the bigger moves, you're basically talking a 50 50 proposition at best. So when you're thinking about jamming in bets, you know, and I know the wise guys love to, you know, I was talking to Buddy the other day, and he literally, as I'm talking to him, he's like, I got it, I got betting this right now. We're jamming in bets on this, and he's jamming in bets on that while I'm talking to him. Because that's the mentality there is get the best of the number while it's still there as soon as the markets start to move. Regardless whether you have an opinion on the game, the wise guys want to jam in a bet to get that closing line value, to get the best of the number. For the casual better, for the recreational better, look, you do want to get <laughs> every half point that you can. But closing line value, not the be-all or end-all by any stretch of the imagination, when it comes to, are you a good handicapper? Are you doing good at what you're trying to do? Bottom line is, we got to pick winners, all right? And it helps tilt the scale when you're getting closing line value. Put your thumb on the scale a little bit, kind of turn 50-50 into 52-48 or 53-47. You know, you will be able to eke out a profit on some of this, but closing line value exclusively to focus on that, to me, not the best method for beating the NFL. When we come back, I'm going to bring in Tony Finn and get his opinion about closing line value. And plus, we're going to break down week 10 of the NFL card. All the details after this brief commercial message. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. I'm going to bring in Tony Finn. Uh, right now, my good friend from right here in fabulous uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Tony, welcome to the program. How are you doing uh, this week? Very good. It's, tr- it's terrific. It's tropical in Vegas, isn't it, Teddy? <laughs> yeah, so th- that's something that people don't realize. Like Vegas, when winter comes, it gets cold here. You know, it was in the 30s last night, and 30s in the desert isn't like 30s back east, man. When the wind's blowing and it's 30s in the desert, it's cold out there. Uh, or maybe we're just getting soft because yeah. we've lived here too long. True, very true. You know, it's uh, it's already it, when it's seventy degrees on the patio by the pool. It's it for my wife. It's parka time already. You know, seventy degrees. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and anything like sixty or below, I'm wearing yeah, big winter 
big winter jacket. Uh, you know, and again, I lived in Michigan for a decade. I lived up north in Michigan. You know, I, I grew up yeah. in New York. It's not like I never had winters. Uh, yeah. But you come out here, you get pretty soft, pretty fast when it comes yes, to yeah. weather. We're not going to talk about the weather on today's show, Tony Finn. You're not going to get me Maybe. off topic, my friend. Maybe we might talk about the weather later on. You never know. Yeah, that's true. We probably uh, and and it's, this is a good moment. It's a good segue into talking about at this time of the year, whatever bets yes. you're making, check the weather forecast early in the week. Yes. Check it middle of the week. Check it later in the week. Don't be surprised by weather conditions on Sunday. The markets react well before Sunday to any perceived weather conditions. But Tony, uh, so there's your caveat. There's your uh, segue. Uh, Tony, I want to ask you, in the open, I talked about closing line value. And I said there are lots of handicappers, the pros, many of the pros that I know, are like fixated on closing line value more than they're fixated on winning games. They're like, well, I got two and a half points the best of this one and three and a half points the best of that one. I bet this at the open. And at the end, you look at the portfolio and they go five and six. How do you approach closing the line value? Is it uh, paramount for you? Because I, I, I make a... I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth a little bit because I'm always like, make sure you get the best of the number. Get that extra half point. You know, uh, instead of opening one book, open five books and, and shop around for the best number. And yet, I'm saying closing line value is something to be aware of and be concerned with, but it's not the be-all or end-all. What's your take on CLV? I think it's a, it's, it's a really a great topic, and I'm always happy to answer these questions when, when asked for lots of reasons because i'm fairly transparent passionate about opening line value closing line value here's here's the bottom line take for me teddy and that is value in a game comes in a a, a plethora of forms and uh, and but the but the end all is winning and i don't i, I don't care if you if you tell me listen i i had a great weekend I beat every single, you know, I beat every single sharp group out of the gate. Got the best opening line of value uh, compared in, in in reference, obviously, to the closing line value, and uh, it's first time ever in my career I've done that. And and then the the you know person B says, well, how'd you do? I went three and seven. Yeah, exactly. Then, then there's no. Then guess what? There is no value, and you certainly don't want to hang your hat on that or. Uh, verbalize that right or at the bar with somebody's had five drinks because if that's a good weekend then you're not going to be worried about open line value or closing line value for very long yeah so it's something to be aware of particularly around threes and sevens it's something to pay attention to sure. but it's not anything to be fixated on that's my point boy uh, I, I talked to a lot of guys with, with that, but, yeah, yeah I, I talked to uh, yeah, and again, we live in Vegas, all right? So we both have the opportunity to meet more and hang out with more "quote unquote" wise guy betters or sharp betters than the average guy. You know, I've been out here 25 years, and you get to know all these guys or many of these guys. And when we talk about the perceptions for the recreational better versus the professional better, closing line value is something that the professional better pays a ton of attention to that the recreational better doesn't pay any attention to at all. And yet, when it comes to the bottom lines, the winning and losing, that's what matters. Another thing that matters yeah, this time of not, year. Oh, yeah, oh, if I me. might, inter- let me interrupt you real quick. And that, I, this is a great point. This is, that's a great topic. And I said we could spend an hour on that, you and I, easily and, and argue both sides and convince uh, 10 different people on both sides. That said, 
you know, we're in the business. We not only are we not only do we do we invest and in, and in get positions in certain events uh, and do it to profit to make money, but we re- we really face a conundrum when we we also are you know we also consult and we consult on points games how it should play out et cetera et cetera and a lot of times you know there's there's that crossover there's that putting that play out early and getting that three knowing knowing without question knowing that the hook is coming it's just when it's coming and then you have your weekend clients that we can got weekend casuals the, the, the joe public or or the you know the recreation the weekend warriors to say teddy who get that bad number or we're calling it a bad number now because we got the three and uh, you know you're a hero to half the half the core you you cater to and the other say, man, why'd you give me a play that had a hook on that? That's horrible. That kind of thing. So it's, there's a conundrum of that, too, in what we do. So let's talk about injuries. All right. That's what we're supposed to talk about in segment one. And somehow we've let's gotten six minutes into a closing line. Value. I like but it. I, I, like I want to talk about injuries because injuries are always a story at this time of the year. Yes, sir. We saw a pretty big move <laughs> uh, in yeah. the Vikings-Bills game. That, tall, that game opened nine and a half and got bet down to three and a half. Mm-hmm. with Josh Allen's injury info. And, of course, uh, as we talk right now, we don't know 100% for sure that Josh Allen is not going to play, but the market seemed to think so after the six-point line move. Last yeah. week, Ryan Tannehill versus mm-hmm. Malik Willis. The market said, yeah, that's worth two, two-and-a-half, three points. Uh, went from 11-and-a-half to 13-and-a-half, 14 on Kansas City when it was announced that uh, Tannehill was out and the rookie, Willis, was in. Yeah. This week, we're seeing a much bigger line move based on a quarterback injury, but in this instance, the backup QB is better than Case Keenum, better than Malik Willis. What do you think about these big injury line moves, and how do you approach games like Buffalo and uh, Minnesota? We've got about two minutes before the break. It- Okay, in reference last week's a lot of that and a lot of that line, there's a difference in line movement from a ten and a half to a thirteen and a half. You know that. Um, in this game, for instance, the UCL is a pretty serious. First off, quarterbacks that have a UCL or, or they're telling you they have a UCL injury, even uh, two, three, four days later, uh, are going to if they play. If they do play, and I don't think. I don't think Allen will play, Teddy. But if they do play, they're not 100. percent Now we'll. Does it mean that much to this line? I think so. I think it means a lot to this line. Now, Allen's worth 92% of the Bills' touchdowns so far this year. Uh, that's how many touchdowns he's been involved with, air, feet, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I don't think you're going to see the Minneapolis Miracle if Allen doesn't play with Keenum. So I think the number – I think the adjustment's always going to be a little drastic with a, with a player like Allen, but probably appropriate. But at the same time, look – I look at my powering numbers between the best team in the NFL. I've got Buffalo power rated number one with a healthy Josh Allen. And the worst team in the NFL, the Houston Texans. I have the Texans power rated as my lowest. And I've got basically about 17 points worth of differential between those two teams. The markets are saying that one player is worth six points when the very best team to the very worst team, it's only 17 point differential. Is that an overreaction, yes or no? I think it is. It's always an overreaction in our in our world. Um, the end the end game. Who knows? Uh, only time will tell. Obviously, but a quarterback would be the only player, especially in this day and age with the rules, et cetera, and how how this game is played. 
would it, would a line move six points with a quarterback? No one else. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, obviously, it's only the QB. And yet, when you talk about the most important injuries in the NFL, QB stands as number one. Yeah. But yeah. second, third, and fourth, for me, that's going to mm-hmm. be offensive line, defensive line, secondary. Three areas that line. tend to be underrepresented when it comes to the betting marketplace paying attention. We've got much for with Tony Finn. We're just getting started. i got a whole list of questions to ask him. I only asked him one out of the get-go. We're going to talk about injury-riddled teams coming up next when coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 159. We're talking with Tony Finn at Finn at Wager Talk on Twitter. We're talking NFL at the halfway point. Tony, let's talk about injuries. All right. At this stage of the season, there are going to be a handful of teams whose seasons are essentially ruined because of all the injuries that they've suffered. Who stands out to you in that regard? What teams in the NFL have the type of injury situation right now that make you reluctant? to back them, regardless of how good they were uh, earlier in the season, regardless of how good they, in theory, are supposed to be. Talk to me about the injury riddle squads. Who stands out? I'll give you, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you two parts to this really and quickly, and that is not only will I give you a teams that I think are injured and I don't think are going to be well enough in week 14, 15, later in the second half of the season, I think they're not only a team you want to avoid, I think they may be a team you want to fade, that being the Los Angeles Chargers, the Denver Broncos. And unlike what happened last night, I, I believe the Carolina Panthers as well, being uh, being a kind of a bottom feeder anyway. And you could possibly throw in the Denver Broncos uh, as well in this. I just don't think – I think what they've done and what these teams have done uh, to combat those injuries is almost nil and, and nothing in my opinion. I think those three or four teams I just mentioned are in trouble moving forward. Chargers, Broncos, what was the third one? I'm sorry. Um, I, I think the Cardinals and the Panthers are in that four, wow. a group of four as well. Cardinals and Panthers, all of whom, and uh, each one of those squads is significant. I'm, of the four, I think I've got more upside with the Chargers than the other three. Uh, they've got a winning record now. Herbert has shown that he can move the football even when he's going up against a lesser receiving court. We'll see how it plays out in San Francisco on Sunday night against a good defense. But yeah. I was surprised with how well they were able to move the football last week against a lesser defense in Atlanta. What about particularly healthy? Because, I mean, we talk a lot about the injury-riddled squads. Mm-hmm. If a team stays healthy, boy, that gives them a real competitive advantage compared to their opponents. Do any team stand out to you as being particularly healthy at this stage of the campaign? Well, there's a, and I'll keep it short as well, and I'll give you four teams. Uh, the correlation, too, to a couple of these teams, the top two I'll mention, being healthy now and looking like even with an injury outside of the quarterback can survive an injury uh, that may be significant, maybe an A injury, which you would consider a point on the line or so moving forward would be Surprisingly, right? Philadelphia Eagles, really healthy, playing well, have a very soft schedule moving forward. This is a team I think that can suffer an injury and still survive heading into the postseason. 
Uh, throw the Kansas City Chiefs in, too, for lots of variables there. What I think this team does, there's a reason why Andy Reid does well following by uh, buys, and he has that, you know, the uh, that urban legend that he's the king of the buys or after the buys, and that's Spagnola, Coach Spagnola, too. Defensively, his team is getting better uh, significantly in, in, the, um, in pressuring the quarterback, and you saw that in their Super Bowl winning season. They got better and better and better, and, they, and that happened last year as well after a slow start. So it'll be Philadelphia, Kansas City, Minnesota healthy and playing well, and possibly maybe a team on the bottom half that you're going to get value on would be the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Bears uh, might have traded away a bunch of talent at the trading deadline. True. But from a yeah. health standpoint, they're in good shape. Minnesota was absolutely a team that stood out to me in that regard. In some ways, I look at the Vikings as a team that's kind of living on borrowed time. Right now, the yeah. statistical profile uh, doesn't match their straight-up record. Their point spread record of all the winning teams, Minnesota's a team that has been the one that has been repeatedly overvalued in the markets. And I'm not uh, convinced that the Vikings are going to do what they did in the first half of the season, in the second half. And yet, they've stayed healthy. And that health parameter is a huge difference maker for any team at this stage of the season. If you're not sending players on IR, if you've got the vast majority of your starters good to go, it's an enormous bonus. And that's certainly working uh, in Minnesota's favor so far this season. I want to talk about unders, because when we talk about the NFL this season, the story of this season is underdogs and unders. Underdogs have gotten a ton of pub. Unders, maybe not so much. Last week, again, 8-4-1 and one to the under. The Thursday night game stayed under the total. And last week, you know, Lions, Packers, Colts, Patriots, Bills, Jets, Vikings, Commanders, Chargers, Falcons, Rams, Bucks, Titans, Chiefs, Ravens, Saints, Good offensive teams, mediocre offensive teams, bad offensive teams, good defensive There's a lot of randomness there. But yeah. scoring is way down in 2022 on a real and significant basis. Here's my question. Will it continue? Should we still be looking for unders? Or is there an overrun prime to break out before this season is said and done? Well, I will say this. I think... I think all things are circular, you know, and, and what goes around comes around. And everything, especially in this game of football, uh, any sport for that matter, especially company sports professional, run in cycles. And I, I, listen, it surprises me, Teddy, that unders are, pre, are more pro, prevalent. I don't think it's because the books are shading numbers higher than they have in the past, anything like that. I do believe it's, it has a lot to do with one-dimensional team. We, you know, this the game of football in the NFL, uh, in particular, in college too, Teddy, is, has become, uh, first off, as far as the rules go, Ty goes to the offense. If you want to use that analogy, that, that, that adage they use in baseball where Ty goes to the runner, Ty goes to the offense, and, and, I, and I'll, be a little, I'll be a little bit uh, crude and say, you know, I've always said, uh, you know, that defensive back um, passed gas. So he got called for pass interference. It's it everything, rule wise, lends itself to being high scoring and offensive. But if you look at, for instance, the Bills or the Chiefs, really pass heavy teams that don't do the that are, that the offensive lines are built around pass blocking too. Neither offensive line does a very good job run blocking, and neither team has a bell cow at tailback. So if you look down the line, look successful teams, is there a balanced team out there that is a threat in postseason play outside in, as we have not going to discuss today, whether in, in December, do they have some kind of advantage? I think you're going to see an uptick. I think defense according, I think technically 
um, coordinators are sharp guys, primed to be head coaches for the most part. They're the ones that turn into head coaches, and I think they'll make the adjustments necessary, um, uh, or they'll think they'll make the adjustments necessary, and the OCs will do their jobs. And, and in the second half, I would be, I would say this take more high-scoring games in the second half than we had in the first half. Whether that leads to over-the-total winners is a question of what the odds makers do. Sure. So, but you don't expect this trend of sixty percent unders or whatever. I mean, it's been sixty percent no. plus, I believe. Uh, you're saying that that's uh, we're not expecting that to move forward. And I've talked about it on the show a couple of times. Some of the reasons mm-hmm. why we've seen scoring down. We've seen the uh, the popularity of the two deep safety look that takes away the big plays in the passing game. We've seen much of the quality of quarterback play. You know, there's a handful of new star quarterbacks, but up and down the league. We haven't seen the replacements for the Aaron Rodgers and the Tom Brady's and company who are dropping off uh, and not playing as well in recent years. And there's a third reason, I think, uh, that stands out to me uh, when it comes to why scoring is lower. And that has everything to do with Moneyball. You know, the old MLB approach where find what's undervalued in the, be- in, in the markets mm-hmm. and buy that. And teams have been buying runners. They've been buying running games. We've seen much more run-focused game plans from teams all around the league because you can get running backs cheap. (laughs) And wide receivers and quarterbacks are expensive. And I think we're seeing a higher prevalence of good running games and solid running games in the NFL, which isn't great for high-scoring affairs. What do you think about my three reasons? Well, I really like those reasons, and I think they're spot on too. Um, uh, you know, we can argue. We can come on, argue with me game. about something, Tony. You got to no, disagree I really with me about something. Oh, there'll be something I disagree with you. We've got a long <laughs> way to go. So, <laughs> but I really like those answers. I think they're, I think they are spot on, and and uh, and you have to make adjustments. Like I said, I you know it, it's pretty easy to stack the ball. You just said it. Uh, two safety high looks. At, you know the cover twos, cover threes. I, I don't see a lot of cover zeros. Uh, you don't. We don't. They just don't. That's a rarity. Uh, it just doesn't happen because um, defense coordinators don't. I mean, they appreciate the talent that is quarterback in a lot of teams. But you mentioned um, some some downgrades for teams at quarterback. Agree. Your three reasons are spot on. I like. I'm not going to argue with you. We got just a couple minutes for the break. I do want to talk about sure. weather. You mentioned weather a minute ago. Now that it's November. All right. Obviously, one of the things I talk about the open check your weather forecast for every game, and check it early in the week, check it middle of the week, check it late in the week. Um, recognize the markets are going to bet the weather conditions based on forecast, not on game day. But let's talk about it: rain versus wind versus slow, snow versus sleet versus cold. Everybody talks about wind as the key factor. When the wind is blowing, you have to play unders. I've seen the craziest snow. That Lions-Eagles snow game still stands out to me. You know, where neither offense can move the football at all. And in the second half, the defense got completely tired and ended up with kick return touchdowns and fumble return touchdowns. And the game flew over the total when all was said and done. A uh, minute before the break, what weather condition concerns you most? What are the betting markets underreact to? Wind. Wind out. I, I, I think overs with rain if there's no wind, the, the receivers have an advantage. Wind affects everything, the kicking game. And a lot of it depends on which way the wind's blowing, Teddy. Uh, and another thing that's a step further with variable, is it lengthwise of the field? Is it crosswind? All those things matter. But wind is the key for me. 
Yeah, and crosswinds are the worst of the bunch. They're going to kill your kicks. Yeah. They're going to kill your punts. They're going to kill your downfield passes. When you find those situations where you got a nice, brisk 25-mile-an-hour cross breeze, those are games you want to be playing yeah. under. When we come back with Tony Finn, we're going to talk trade deadline moves. We're going to talk about his undervalued and overvalued commodities at this stage of the season. And, yeah, he's going to give us a bettable opinion or two or three. Stay tuned. Cover continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Get all the latest updates, breaking news, line changes, and more. Follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, and stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. You can follow today's guest, Tony Finn, on Twitter at Finn at Wager Talk. You have to spell the A-T. It's not the, what's that symbol called? Uh, what is that symbol called? The little A with oh, the, the symbol around it. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. you have to actually write out Finn at Wager Talk <laughs> or at yeah. with the symbol Finn at Wager Talk, which is arguably yeah. the worst Twitter handle that I've ever heard. Well ever, done, Tony. I'm going to add another at to it. <laughs> Finn at, at, at Wager Talk. Uh, that's a nice ring to it, my friend. Uh, so let's talk about the trade deadline. All right. Okay. It was fairly active this year. And last, and the reason, usually the NFL trade deadline is a dud. Last year, the trade deadline helped to determine the Super Bowl winner with L.A. getting Von Miller and Von Miller being an absolute difference maker for that team regular season and postseason and Super Bowl. Um, is there another Von Miller leading the Rams to the Super Bowl type of acquisition that you saw around the league at the trade deadline? Any teams legitimately get better? Uh, ask me in Week 18 that question, and I'll give you an accurate and, and I think a pretty good answer. I think I'm capable of doing that. Right now, I would say there isn't. Uh, unless you want to combine a couple players, maybe Teddy, and I certainly, I certainly like what the Ravens did. Um, there you go. The That's Bears, the name you were supposed yeah. to use first. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you have to like that. If you, uh, uh, This is a team with a middling kind of a, uh, not a middling quarterback, should I say, but a middling offense that has a really good quarterback with legs, and, and those kind of quarterbacks always scare me anyway, Teddy. I I, I see Josh Allen running down the sideline, jumping over players, saying, well, this kid's not around for long. He's just not going to be around for long. I don't care how big he is, but uh, the Ravens would be that one team that I thought did the, a great job at the break and at the trade deadline, at least, and not the all-star break. But they would be – and, and I think if, if just sneak something in, I think if you look at the futures right now, if you can uh, – you look at the schedule the Ravens have, you look at the schedule the Bengals have, that minus 400 or whatever the price is right now for the Ravens to win the division, I think, uh, stealing money. So Baltimore is 6-3. and three. Right. Their three losses all came the exact same way. They had a mm-hmm. double-digit lead, and the defense couldn't hold it. Correct. They lost all three games in the fourth quarter with, after having a double-digit lead earlier. This team could easily be 9-0 and right now. They'd be getting the hype the Eagles are getting. But the defense wasn't good enough. You pick up a guy like Roquan Smith, maybe the defense gets better. And Miami picking up Chubb, you know, Bradley Chubb. But to me, that is an impact win-now move. Again, the Dolphins 
haven't lost a game with Tua and games that Tua started and finished this year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We've seen the defense have some issues. But even the game last week against Chicago, where Miami won, they didn't cover, but they won the game, Bears weren't passing the ball up and down the field. And none of the running backs, it was simply Justin Fields making plays, incredible plays, with his feet over and over again. Miami had a spy on Fields, and it didn't make any difference. <laughs> you know, He just was special last week. But I think Chubb will have an impact for that team, and I think Miami is a team that did get better at the deadline. Did you think? Do you think Chubb will have an impact this weekend? That, that, I'm glad you brought this up because I'm going to ask you quickly: Will he have an impact in Week One? This short of a time to prepare. Not that you, not that this playbook for a, a rush end or a, a defensive lineman is huge. Against a team like Cleveland, I would expect him to have some kind of an impact okay. because they're going to have to stop the run, and Chubb's pretty good at doing that. So I would not be surprised at all. You know, if I'm playing Miami Cleveland, you know, I've been waiting for a three, waiting patiently for a three. Uh, at three, it's Dolphins <laughs> or pass yeah. uh, for uh, this better. Um, but, you know, Baltimore is the team that stood out to you. As, uh, yeah. you know, that's a name that, you know, Ro- Roquan Smith is no joke. And it's a Ravens team that, again, there's upside for Baltimore in an AFC that the only team anyone seems to be talking about are the Chiefs. And the Bills. Let's talk about value. Right now, and I'm not asking you to give away your card, but right now, is there a team that stands out to you as being an undervalued commodity? A team whose statistical profile doesn't doesn't reflect where they are right now? Or a team that, for whatever reason, is being priced in the wrong range? Your power rate numbers have been very different than the markets. Is there a team like that right now or not so much? I wish there was because I would be I wouldn't mind giving it away if I felt like I could profit, you know, uh, or at least was so confident that it was a win-win for me and at worst case scenario it was going to be a wash, I would, you know, I'd be glad to spend say let's let's stay on air an hour, let's talk about this and break it down, but if there's one team, if there's one team I think that continues that they're 5 and 0. Right now they're 5 and 0 against teams with losing records, against the spread, against the number Teddy, and they played they just play old school football, and that's the Tennessee Titans. And I, I, I just, I, it's, I can't believe it's coming out of my mouth. But I, they continue to be a team that you don't have to lay much points for. And most of the time, you're going to get some. Looks like last week, um, and and they have the ability, the the, the skill set, the talent, and I. And if you're from my school of thought, I like the coach, I like the staff, and I like what they do. They know what they have. They win. And Tennessee has certainly been, one, they've been an undervalued commodity, and two, we're not seeing the betting markets get excited about Tennessee as an undervalued commodity. The money came against them last week. We've seen some money come against them this week as well. Um, So Tennessee is a team that has retained and held their value, worth noting. What about an overvalued team right now, a bet against team, a team that the markets are just simply pricing too high? Anyone stand out to you in that regard? Well, I, I would say, and I, Miami's won, without question. Miami's won, and and we saw. I we both know. If you were on Miami last week, I you know my condolences because you could have covered one bounce of the ball and two bounces, maybe even three bounce, three chances to cover that game. And, and we can say that about any game, any weekend probably. But that said, Miami, and you've seen it. You've seen it change quickly. But I thought the Las Vegas Raiders were far overvalued 
in the first half of the season. That's changed a little bit. I think the market's come back to uh, um, to a level price, or at least a a price that is reasonable. But Dolphins overpriced, Vegas overpriced, Dolphins, Tennessee under bet against teams. So so right now you you say moving forward, you think there's money to be made betting against Miami and some, and you think there's still money to be made betting against the Raiders? I do. I absolutely yeah. do. I mean, I just do. I don't. I have zero confidence in the Los Angeles Raiders. Los, I'm sorry, Las Vegas Raiders, the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, completing playing four quarters of, of football. Um, first year coach, a quarterback who I think is overvalued, and uh, um, for some reason, a staff that refuses to just hand the ball off to Jacobs and let him do his thing. And a propensity. For blown lead, the Raiders, of course, have blown seventeen nothing, seventeen nothing, and twenty to nothing leads right. uh, on their way to going two and six. Um, How about you? So it's a hard, you know, if you talk about a well, bet on team, and I, I, I have hate to have the words come out of my mouth because it came out of my <laughs> mouth once earlier this year, and they proceeded to lose five in a row. I think there's hope in Jacksonville. <laughs> you know, I think there's hope down the stretch for Jacksonville uh, in a division that uh, someone can take if they're yeah. good enough to take it. Um, so the Jags are a team that I've got my eye on. Is, uh, I'll say this, they're healthy. They're healthy. Fairly, yeah. yeah. Uh, and for an overvalued commodity, that's a different story. I wonder if Dallas is getting overvalued a little bit these days. You know, certainly that oh. price tag at uh, Green Bay this week was a little bit high, higher yeah. than I would have made it. So, uh, but the Cowboys, another team that started, the Cowboys had a bunch of injuries early. They're fairly healthy now. They're as healthy now uh, as they've been all year, and that's certainly uh, been good news for their backers. But Dallas is a team that gets real public real fast when they're good. I think we're starting to see signs of that in the betting markets right now, although we have seen some sharp money come for Green Bay in that ballgame. That ain't public money. The Cowboys, very much a public team. Tony, we got just a couple minutes left, my friend. Uh, why don't you give out a uh, recommendation? Something that you've got money on for uh, Sunday uh, that you think our listening audience might be interested in joining you on. Break down a game for us. Break down a game for you. Um, well, then, let's. Well, I'll just break down a game about two teams we've talked about, at, not at length, but they've they've been a big part of this conversation that we've had discussion we've had this afternoon and that's the titans versus the broncos there's a lot of reasons why i think the number as it stands right now um is a no-brainer i think you're on the titans this weekend or you're not in that room you're not in that war room even talking about this game you mentioned what denver has done i think they waved the white flag uh last weekend when they um, and if you look at, and I know you have, Teddy, and you look at the quotes from the coach or the GM there in Broncoland, you know, they basically just, they just hedged. They gave away, or they didn't gave away, but they traded away Chubb, a big part, a very, very good player who has quite a few years left in his legs, shoulders, arms, and his brain, I hope, and his mind. And they're playing a Titans team again. Tannehill, Willis, I, it does not matter to me. As long as they're handing the ball off to, to Henry, I'm laying three points on the Titans at home in Nashville against a Denver team that has 100 questions that neither of us has answers to. So I've got a follow-up. And to me, this, is, sure. this was enough of a concern to keep me off of Tennessee. 
this week. Uh -huh. Titans are not on my card. And the reason why is the defense was on the field for 91 plays yeah. <laughs> against Kansas City last week. And that's an enormous number at the end. 40 minutes. Level. 40 minutes. Yeah. How worried are you about that defense being worn down against a Broncos team that's coming off a win and a bye, rested and ready? There's always a concern. I think it's a great point you brought up. I would argue this. I would say if there's one team in the NFL, one team that is the epitome of level, it's the Titans. You don't see them. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. I don't think it was an emotional loss. I think they consider that a good loss last week against the Chiefs, and I think they'll be ready to go. Now, when it comes to betting on or against teams off a of bye week, you know, mm -hmm. the first-year head coaches, in theory, they're supposed to install a bunch of stuff during the bye and be a little trickier and be a little different. Do you think Hackett's going to do that for Denver? Um, he hasn't shown – I don't have faith in him to do that. Do you? <laughs> I know. I was, I was kind of being facetious there. Uh, I know you uh, were. Yeah. Uh, it's global is not a word. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if you look up, you see global written on the ceiling. Honest. Uh, yeah. uh, Tony Finn, promote yes, yourself, sir. my friend. Where do people find you? Where do they find you on Twitter? What's your website? What other shows do you do? Uh, give our listening audience uh, a feel for where they can get a hold of uh, Tony Finn if they're interested in your work. Cause as much commotion and controversy as possible, and it's not intentional, don't get me wrong, but it seems to follow me. And you can find me on a lot of wager talk programming uh, when they allow me, and they haven't, you know, uh, said enough's enough for a while. And, and you can find me, uh, you can find me at um, Sports Grid Radio with Gabe Morinzi, much like you. Uh, you can find me at many of the affiliate ESPN affiliates doing little segments during the season, but it's not consistent. That's where you can find me only at Wager Talk. And those I've mentioned. Yeah, and I'm, I, unfortunately, this football season, I, I'm not doing shows with Lorenzi this football season because oh. uh, I ran out of time. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll pick it up when basketball rolls around. I feel bad for Gabe, but the truth is, only so many hours in a day. Stay tuned. I got a battle of opinion in the NFL coming up next. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It With Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, if you want to go back and listen to yesterday's college football show with Andy Isco, if you want to go back and listen to the archives from last week or last month or last year or three Super Bowls ago, knock yourself out. Download the podcast version. Consume at your convenience. Just search Cover It or Cover It with Teddy Covers wherever you download your podcast, all major podcast outlets, all minor podcast outlets, wherever you download your podcast, just search Cover It. Download and consume at your convenience. I love doing radio. I don't mind the podcast version either. I encourage you, take advantage and download and consume and be able to go back and re-listen to something or write stuff down or make fun of Tony, whatever you want to do. But anyhow, check out the archives. Check out this show uh, wherever you download your podcasts. Let's talk a little NFL action for today. And look, 48 and a half at first glance. Looks like a really high total for Soldier Field. You don't see a lot of Chicago Bears totals at 48 and a half. Certainly not in division games. I talked earlier in the show about everything's gone under 
all year, and division games have been leading the way when it comes to unders. But not this game. <laughs> the Bears, right now, they're as strong as an over team as you're going to find in the NFL. Number one, you see generally deflated totals for Chicago because they've got 50 years of track record of bad offenses and good defenses. <laughs> Number two, this, is not, this, isn't, this isn't a good defense. Over the last two weeks, the Bears have allowed 12 touchdowns and zero field goals. That's all you need to know about how hard a defense is trying. 12 touchdowns allowed, zero field goals. And oh, by the way, they, you know, we know they traded away their two best defenders at the deadline. The replacements have not been particularly good. But this Chicago offense is click, click, clicking all the Justin Fields struggles that we saw early in the season. They're paying dividends. They scored 29-plus in each of the last three weeks. It's not like the Lions' defense is going to be an elite unit this week. And Detroit offensively should be able to move the football. I like the over 48-and-a-half Lions and the Bears. That's going to wrap it for Cover It with Teddy Covers this week. Enjoy the games and good luck.